You're listening to the Music Ed Podcast. I'm Samson Trin. The term music has been referred to as a musical style that is associated with boring background instrumental music. People often attach the music label to any form of relative unobtrusive music, just as facial tissue often is called a Kleenex, regardless of its actual manufacture. The business of effect management and mood enhancement through recorded music blossomed with the 1934 birth of the Muzak Corporation in Cleveland. Its earliest programming was mostly popular music re-recorded, indexed, ordered, and distributed by wireless radio. Although mood music may seem boring, it plays many significant roles in the workplace. Joseph Lanza says, Muzak and mood music are, in many respects, aesthetically superior to all other forms. They emit music the way 20th century is equipped to receive it. Groom states that Muzak makes the total control of the environment a possibility, a necessity. The stereo or the radio may be turned off, but you can't silence Muzak at work, in the elevator, or at airports or hospitals or mortuaries. Although there is a heavy rotation of mood music in the marketplace which targets the stimulus of consumers, how does it affect employees in a workplace environment? A proposed 1960s slogan suggested Muzak's earlier golden age of confidence and market dominance. Boring work is made less boring by boring music, too. While Muzak reigned and operates still as a workplace tool rather than a personal care product, neo-Muzak successors like Pandora, Spotify, and other digital streaming services have arrived to close the gap as personal care products for effect management, and mood elevation. Services that allow users to choose their mood music could change the productivity and morale of employees. The purpose of this study is to explore the relationship between mood music and the workplace, marketplace, and how it is used as content for the altered state of consciousness. The researcher will conduct interviews in a podcast format with Justin Lauder, a business intellectual property and entertainment attorney at Threshold Council PC in Richmond, Virginia, and Doug Richards, a professional music arranger and former music professor at Virginia Commonwealth University. Lauder has analyzed several agreements from a mood music corporation. Richards briefly wrote music for Muzak in the mid-1970s. We'll first listen to Justin Lauder's interview, which took place at his law office on July 3rd, 2019. Then we'll segue to the Doug Richards interview, which was at his home on July 5th, 2019. Be prepared to geek out and enjoy. So how are you doing? Well, have you started? Are you actually recording this now? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, just... Um, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you view as the relationship between mood music and the environment of the workplace and the marketplace? Yeah. Well, music in general is the soundtracks of our lives, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a reason yeah. why folks use music in movies and music in television and the same idea of music in the background when you're at a restaurant or at a shopping mall or um, at work, you're using music to enhance or in some instances manipulate someone's mood. Um, some mood media or mood music or Muzak, these, these titles used for certain types of music, it's appropriate because really the purpose is we want to set a certain mood for the listener in a certain environment to help encourage them to, to act in a, in a specific way. So um, it is important, and that's the reason why as a, you know, attorney for musicians, um, in particular, and labels, uh, there's value in that music because it has this ability to transform someone's experience. You mentioned you that you've analyzed a few mood music agreements over the years. Um, can you just please describe the details about these agreements? Um, was this while you were in law school, and or did you go look into these agreements for clients? Yeah, there's a lot wrapped in that question. So step back sure, a moment um, and then, then I'll kind of dive into yeah. the, the agreement side of it but um, I'm not sure exactly when the light bulb went off in someone's brain and they realized hey we can 
use, we can specifically choose music to receive potentially uh, a certain ramification. But uh, let's face it, if you've ever been in a restaurant, if you've ever been in a bar, if you've ever been um, anywhere and there's no music on, you may not realize it at first, but then you say, hey, wait a second, it's eerily silent. Yeah, it feels very eerie and a bit uncomfortable. "Hmm, Something's off. Or or let's say the doctor's office, right? I mean, going to to Muzak or or in the elevator, right? It's all you're hearing are the grinding gears of the elevator or you're you're hearing... um, pencils writing stuff so yeah so um but you know the funny thing about that is my memory of the muzak hitting in the elevator what we term as elevator music um the only time i've really seen that or heard that is in like a movie scene or a television scene uh, where it's like it's usually thrown in as like a um a comedic moment mm -hmm. but i do hear it when i'm when, I, when I'm getting my teeth drilled in at, at the office to calm me down, I guess. But like, um, so what, what's up with that? I did. Do they do they just discontinue elevator music in elevators? Because it's yeah, it's uh, rare for me to like walk into an elevator. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. First, a comment, then yeah. an answer. I mean, I, I think about. Uh, I immediately think of Gross Point Blank and John oh, yeah. Cusack's yeah, driving yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> live live and let die. Yeah is playing like the rock version and all of a sudden he goes into the convenience store and it switches yeah. to the music version. It's very, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They usually do that in <laughs> movies. It's like the rocking version yeah. or the pop version. And you walk into the elevator. It's like, it's the same melody. And yeah. 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 Well, um, I mean, this isn't from personal experience, but, um, a bit of research actually, it, it seems that music and elevator music has changed over the years just because of, the preference of audiences, you know, at a certain point in time, uh, the consumer enjoyed it. And then with the rise of popular music and vocal music around the 60s, 70s, baby boomers, they decide, hey, wait a second, people don't want to hear Muzak. They want to hear the original recordings with the original vocalist. Right? Uh, so there's mm-hmm. a, it seems it was societal and uh, essentially the owners of these businesses sort of collectively based on input from their audience that, Hey, we don't want music anymore. We want the actual recordings. So, so one, just we've established that music is important. We've established that it, um, it can influence us. Um, we know that, uh, we want to be in restaurants. We want to be in bars that have music playing. Right. So then the question is, um, can we, target people through studies, right? It seems that Muzak and these other companies, so there's, you know, nowadays there's mood media, there's soundtrack, your brand, there's prescriptive music, there's play network, there's these Mm -hmm. variety of companies that have made their business the collection of music rights and then the licensing those rights as packages to end users. So if you were to go on any of these websites, um, they'll say, you know, here's um, our target target audience client wise and also too if you're the creator of the music they may be trying to source that music from you and so my role as an attorney and it turns out it wasn't mood media there it was one of these other providers i've reviewed a couple of their agreements my memory was a bit uh hazy um but same idea basically one of these companies approaches a musician and says hey we've we've heard your music um we want to obtain certain rights from you and here's what we have to offer We have to offer this broad distribution. You're going to be um, heard on all of the Carnival Cruise Lines. That isn't a real example, but but it is an example of what they might be sourcing music for. Or Gap, right? Gap, Banana Republic. Department stores. Um, Department stores, but each of these companies has their client list, and they're trying to find music that fits with their clients' needs. Um, I worked at Old Navy in, you know, 16, 17 years ago when I was in college. And, um, you know, they had that, that playlist for, um, for the holiday season, right? And yeah. I, I knew all those songs. Yeah. And, uh, I and did see that in the mood media mm-hmm. website as well. Yeah. That, it, mm-hmm. And that's it. I mean, the holiday music is probably easy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. choose your favorite holiday songs. And there's, I know there's a great, uh, Upper East Side big band, a Samson Trin holiday <laughs> album, which if you're listening, you should buy. It's a, it's a wonderful holiday album. Aww, um, <laughs> and those songs should be playing in every department store. Um, but part of it is, and I know this from working there, but I know this from being consumers that, I tell you, if you're in 
Old Navy, and the holiday music is playing, you're in the spirit, and when you see that new ugly sweater design, you're going to buy it. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Now, now, part of the reason for these companies is economies of scale. Um, for the department stores to go to all the, the labels or individual sound recording owners or um, songwriters directly, that'd be quite expensive, right? So these yeah. companies aggregate the sound recordings and then license it in a package. And so what happens is the end user gets to, to purchase this and they know they have all the rights cleared so they don't have any issues or not infringing copyright. Um, so that's the value to them. And then the value to the sound recording owner or the artist, right, um, is that um, they can go to this one company license a bunch of IP to that company, they're going to receive a royalty, and they don't have to be in the middle. You know, they're not tracking down the department stores to get paid. Um, so, Yeah, I, I checked out the Mood uh, Media website and also uh, found out that when Muzak went bankrupt, Mood Media bought them out. As I was browsing through it and checking out the different genres, and, of course, I went straight to adult contemporary because that seems like that's my generation right now or older and that's the music I would hear at at a pharmacy store and uh which uh leads me to this question that I was going to ask like these days it seems like when I stop by a pharmacy that instrumental mood music that's played in the store has been replaced by a mix of a current adult contemporary pop singers so why the change and um is the change affecting or influencing the customers' buying habits? Because now there's vocals versus your cheesy instrumental background um, music. So my suspicion is the change is just what the pharmacy believes its consumers wants to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Also, too, in some ways, it may be cheaper for the provider of the music. So as opposed to Muzak hiring an orchestra and hiring an arranger and and creating these... They have a track already done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's a track already done. And also, too, it's sort of seamless, right? You get out of your car, you're listening to the radio, and then you enter into the the CVS. And it's Mm -hmm. perhaps not the same radio station, but um, it's similar music that you'd be hearing. And, And... I I don't have any scientific evidence. My suspicion is that if you traveled across the country in different communities, the music playing in the store um, may change based on on region and cultural differences. Yeah, Yeah, because it's what... And actually, too, um, if it's a mom-and-pop store owned by just a, a family, mm-hmm. they, they might just pick the music they want to hear. They, you know, they might not even yeah. be worried about the consumer. So I think that for CVS, a big corporation, they likely have, um, I'm not sure what the title would be, but someone who's in charge of the CVS experience, right? Oh, wow. I, I mean, think about it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. branding, right? It goes mm-hmm. to the sort of the core experience of the consumer entering into a CVS. So they say, okay, here's what the interior is going to look like. Yeah. Here's what um, the lighting's going to be. Here's going to, the arrangement. Um, think about a Panera Bread, right? Yeah. They have trade dress. When mm-hmm. you walk into it, it's going to have a certain color scheme, color palette. It's going to have um, a certain layout. There's going to be all the tables and chairs are going to be um, the same universal from the Panera Bread yeah. here in Richmond, Virginia, the Panera Bread in California. Um, I want the person to be familiar with mm-hmm. uh, where they enter. and um, yeah. Exactly. And, and I bet you the music is specific to that Panera Bread um, environment. Now, if you go to a metal bar, rock and roll metal bar, Cobra Cabana, mm-hmm. Guar Bar, um, there's going to be metal music, right? Yeah. And, and part of the reason why those bars are appealing to certain people is because you're not going to enter into um, a TGI Friday's and hear the latest um, you know, Guar Lamb of God yeah. track, mm-hmm. right? And and part of that is they're you know, identifying their audience. So more and more from an intellectual property perspective, um, we have clients saying, hey, here's our trademark, uh-huh. here's our logo, uh, you know, here's our trade dress, you know, when people experience this. And, I, and I'm certain that the experience goes down to the music. And think about Disney World. Yeah. Disney World pumps in smells. Right, like when you're yeah. walking through, there's going to be freshly baked cookies, and that's 
it's actually, you know, there may or may not be cookies being baked, but they're controlling the environment. A service that's new to me is scent marketing, and I saw this on Mood Media's website. Is this what you're talking about as well? Like, what's your take on that? I mean, has it been proven to increase a worker's productiveness or influence a customer's spending patterns with the smell? My my sense is uh, likely someone has done scientific studies to, to pinpoint if this works, but even anecdotally, if I'm I mean, I've been to Disney World, and if I'm walking around and uh, I don't know that I'm hungry yet, but all of a sudden I smell some cookies, I might be like, hey, I want to buy some cookies. But uh, you you mentioned Hemisync. uh, Yeah. Um, Was this one of the clients that you worked with? Yes. Um, So mm -hmm. Interstate Industries, uh, based in Lovingston, Virginia. is where the Monroe Monroe Institute is. And there's the Monroe Institute, which is a a sister company um, in and basically, uh, a gentleman named Robert Monroe, uh, 30 years ago, um, created slash discovered binaural beat technology. And there are these binaural beats that can be um, placed with music. And when you listen to these tracks, it'll sync the hemispheres of your brain to help with relaxation, uh, concentration, um, all sorts of uh, well, I, when I yeah, when I checked so. out Hemisync, I put on headphones, and it gave me that description. Well, in your right ear, you'll hear one tone, and then you'll hear in your left ear, you'll hear this other tone. Now let's put them together. What used to be this, I guess, um, your wave pattern, which looks like a continent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have your ocean and this green spot that looks kind of like Florida. Now it turns into like the sea that expands. As they're playing this, the engineers are including these different frequencies as well to like shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly. I, yeah. I'm not as familiar with the technology, but um, but working with the company for years, I I use their their products and have their albums. And um, yes, essentially, they're they're changing those patterns to sync the hemispheres of your brain to to um, provide a certain. Um, uh, sensation, feeling, um, and you know, it's one of those things where it's, um, some people talk about CBD oil, You can you feel it, can yeah. you not? As some people say, it's not what you feel, it's what you don't feel. Uh, same idea, um, maybe it's placebo. I, I tend to think it, it works, you know, when it's when it's playing. And, and really, you're, for that technology, it, it takes a, a few minutes to, to actually take like hold. Sinking and, 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 yeah, and there's actually some product warnings. You shouldn't listen to it while driving. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a Intense. reason why they haven't pushed HemiSync technology to, to Sirius XM or um, I guess you could have it on Spotify, but it'd have to be a restricted channel. When you listen to it, did you listen to it with, um, with speakers or their recommended um, way to listen to it, which is headphones? Um, yeah. 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 The headphones are meant to block out uh, outside noise. Mm-hmm. Right. So t- typically if I'm listening to it, I, I'm in my office and I have it playing in the background. Okay. Um, and it's a relatively quiet environment. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems seems to work for me. Um, and if you, people are listening and want to check it out, it's hemisync dash or hemi dash sync.com. Um, but that's sort of next level of music, right? Beyond yeah. just the music itself uh, actually manipulating these waveforms to create binaural beat technology. So you begin to see um, sort of a Muzak 2.0. <laughs> so was Muzak ever hip into this? Where I, I would think Muzak already had that down as far as like emotional behavior um, of, of the consumer or of the employee. But like I, I was wondering if Muzak ever thought of it of the, of the actual frequencies yeah. when they <laughs> yeah. started. Uh, um, yeah, to, which, yeah. To my knowledge, which is limited, I, I don't believe Muzak ever was manipulating frequencies. Um, but you know, what is it called? It's the stimulus progression, uh-huh. um, and and basically um, the um, the tempo of music, the the timbre of music. You know how how do you build it? Then do you give. Uh, certain minutes of silence to help someone reset. Um, so it's, it sounds like music was hip to how at least music in, in and of itself can, um, can motivate someone 
Um, and, and let's face it, uh, yeah, there is such a thing as, as music torture, right? Not to go to a dark place. Uh-huh. But um, if you've ever watched any like, 24 or any of those shows, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty they sure... Yeah, do these simulations of Yeah, I mean, audio. basically, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, basically, you loud, the loudest of loud, horrible sounds, you know, sleep deprivation. I mean, music can be used to heal, but also can be used to harm. Um, mm. And uh, I doubt Muzak was using it to harm. <laughs> uh, but, but, but certainly uh, trying to, to help... Um, you know, Okay, the workers are slowing down. What do we do? Okay, let's let's pump in the cookie smell and and play some upbeat peppy music, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, sometimes it can be counterintuitive. I remember a friend; uh, he had uh, been going through a rough patch, so I thought I'd provide him with some nice upbeat music. And he, he didn't want to have anything to do with that. He just wanted to listen to Counting Crows all the time. Yeah. And so he found his <laughs> he found his uh, asylum in, uh, in Counting Crows, but. Um, but go ahead. Well, um, has the decline in mall outlets such as JCPenney and Sears been a challenge for mood media or other services? Uh, I would believe that was the company's best clientele for music in the marketplace. But because of the decline of these stores, has there yeah, been it's, uh... a change well, well, there's there's probably a change in the retail space mm-hmm. because folks are ordering stuff online on Amazon and not um, going to uh, to a brick and mortar store. Yeah. Um, so there's a change there. Um, that being said, uh, we see more and more breweries. We see more and more um, like locally owned gyms. Right. A little gotcha. you got your cycling studio. You got Pilates. You've got. Uh, there's a variety of, of locations that may not be retail, but they all face a similar problem. How do we pay for music, and how do we pay the least amount possible? It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Being a musician and someone who represents musicians and labels and publishers, um, the value of music is, is apparent to me, and I fight for that every day. Um, I also represent business owners, and they say, hey, I just opened up this location. It's, it's this big. Um, I just got a letter from ASCAP, yeah. BMI, and CSAC, <laughs> and each of them's asking for thousands of dollars, and I just can't build in this this into my budget. And, and oftentimes, they, they had no awareness they needed the rights to begin with for public performance of music. They've just listened to it in their car. Yeah. They hear it on TV, and they think, oh, well, I can just play it wherever. And then they they feel like they're being – it's a shakedown. Um, but frankly, you, you need to have the proper licenses. So – um, mood media and soundtrack your brand and RX Music and Play Network and, and Muzak before them. Um, what they provided is they pro- provided a one-stop outlet for these locations to say, okay, I'm going to get the the mood media um, package, yes. and you pay you only pay mood media, mood media, but through that mood media then pays ASCAP, ASCAP BMI, CSAC. Okay, exactly, mm-hmm. and so it lowers your cost, and, and so. Um, you know, retail stores closing, it probably has impacted certain types of music, but... Um, oh, that's interesting. Certain types versus just the company altogether. Yes. Wow, um, okay. I didn't think of it like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. My, my suspicion, and this suspicion could be wrong, is um, the music you're playing in the Hallmark store is, is different than the music that's playing at American Family Fitness. Yeah. Right. So, um, so depending on which locations need the music... Um, there may or may not be more opportunity for for an artist. Does mood media or all these other services stand a chance for survival now that digital streaming mediums like Pandora, Radio, and Spotify offer mood music? Well, what's interesting is um, Pandora Business was purchased by mood media, so oh, I'm pretty sure they're the wow. same. I'm pretty sure they're the Media, same. Media is becoming the Disney of, uh, <laughs> of yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, background that, music. <laughs> that's it, right? You just continue to buy, 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 yeah. and then you're the interesting. Only ones. Okay, that, that was actually a, an in sync reference, by the way. But, oh, hey, <laughs> but uh, I didn't catch that. Uh, that's 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 a that's a shame since I'm a huge in sync fan. <laughs> it's totally accidental. Um, but uh, but. You, but if you look to Spotify, my understanding is Spotify does not have a business offering. So 
that's another common mistake of a business owner is they'll say, okay, well, I've got my personal Spotify account or I can play mm-hmm. Spotify, the free account with ads running, and that's enough. And it's not. Um, you can't use your, your personal Spotify account to play music in your business. Same idea. Someone will say, hey, I, um, I bought these uh, CDs or vinyl records. I doubt anyone's changing vinyl at a store, but um, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> at the record shop. But, yeah, yeah. Um, or, um, or digital downloads, so I don't need these other licenses. But the reality is um, you need a license to pay the songwriters for the public performance of their songs. Would you say that employees in the working, in, working environment are who are allowed to choose their mood music will maintain their um, productivity and continue to have good morale? Or do you think this is a danger for the employee's behavior and work habits? Yes. So I would say that someone who's listening to the music that energizes them will be more productive. Now, if it's a someone's taking 20 minutes to select what they want to hear, you could have lost productivity, mm-hmm. right? It, it depends on how the employer is is monitoring their, their employees. So in a, in a world where you're forced to listen to music you don't like all day long, in particular if the music is loud and jarring, um, that would be uh, an unproductive environment. If you have the ability to select and control what you're listening to, the volume of it, um, but also, too, you've got some pretty uh, set benchmarks by your employer. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, you know, I believe it's a positive thing. Um, oh, okay. in, in, the, yeah. in the gig economy, right, so many folks have their own small businesses or working for themselves or the developer that's at a co-working space, right, or a startup. Um, you know, they, they know they have to get something done. So they put their earbuds in, they put on their favorite soundtrack, and they start coding and they start working. So that's... You know, there's there's that balance between okay I've got deadlines I've got goals I've got goals um, I'm gonna get my work done um, but also too um, there's that freedom to select what you want so um, I, I see I see it as a positive positive thing. now yep. if if you don't have any goals right <laughs> and and you just spend your time uh, there's no uh, check and balance. Yeah. Then someone could waste a ton of time. Um, I've, I've so, um, getting back to um, to HemiSync. Um, so, what 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 were the details about the agreement that you worked with um, with with HemiSync? Oh well, um, you know, it, well HemiSync offers their their products um, through. Uh, CD sales and also too, they have a, a mobile app. I so saw that they sell like an MP3 for like fifteen bucks. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it, usually those MP3s are you know twenty to thirty minutes long. Yeah, and also too, mm-hmm. it has the HemiSync technology, and also um, quite a few are, are guided meditations, and that's a those albums are sold to a specific audience looking for that HemiSync technology, which means the the pricing of them is. Is, um, is is appropriate. I can see where someone who's just looking for the uh, the latest song and used to spending a dollar on uh, on iTunes for it, or I mean, most folks are streaming now, um, where that pricing would seem outrageous. But for what for what HemiSync has to offer, I mean, uh, you know, the, the pricing is there and it seems to uh, to meet its sort of market expectation. Um, you know, the agreements and work I do with HemiSync, it's protection of intellectual property, protection of the of the the copyright in those sound recordings, gotcha. it's um, you know it's not um, licensing deals to um, organizations. Now um, they do have a new um, streaming service which is online or coming online soon if it's not already, and there will be a an offering for business locations, oh, in wow. particular um, uh, health and fitness type organizations, right? So if you, um, if you have your yoga class, right, or Pilates or... Or even like massage mm-hmm. um, business as well. Massage yeah. and meditation, mm-hmm. right? There could be some, some added benefit from HemiSync products. So we're excited for that sort of expansion. So we're not, um, we're not Mood Media and we're not Soundtrack Your Brand or RX Music or Play Network. Um, but uh, I, I feel that in the in the not too distant future, there will be some great offerings for uh, 
businesses who want uh, to have HemiSync be the soundtrack for their for their organization. And, and at that point, we'll we'll figure out you know what are the, what's what are the terms, right? So how long is the license to to use a subscription service, right? What is the pricing? Also, too, um, part of it is how big is the selection, mm. right? Are you do you get the access to all the tracks or just a portion of the tracks, right? Um, is it curated? Is it is it not curated? So um, it's it's kind of fun to yeah. sit where I am because we'll have some decisions yeah. to make and, and it'll be a, a cool process because ultimately um, I I know that I'll be helping a client, but also too the client will be helping business owners and also too helping the the participants and the activities in those businesses, whether it's yoga, Pilates, or maybe there is a retail store, right? A, a coffee shop, a tea shop that wants to use it. What We'll see where it goes. It, it seems that this technology technology offers many categories to keep mind at peace. I, I looked at the website and it, it looks like channels, you know, mm-hmm. here's one for ADD or ADHD. Here's one for um, creativity or um, behavior um, modification or weight control. And mm-hmm. that's just, that blew my mind that there's a service that offers some something for your, just to positively feed the brain. Um, so do you feel that this technology along with Robert Monroe and his Monroe Institute are legitimate business businesses that truly want to positively feed the brain? Is that like um, yes, so their I've, model? So like, I've worked with uh, Interstate Industries uh, HemiSync since maybe 2010 or 11. So we've mm-hmm. worked together for a long time. Oh, and, wow. and I can say this without a doubt that everyone who works there is, is a great person who's passionate about... Uh, what they do in the music and they believe to the core that it's helping people or they, or they wouldn't be yeah, there. Yeah. And, um, and actually recently, um, there's a new, a new owner in the mix. And, uh, and I tell you, it's, it's exciting to be on these calls because I can just hear in his, in his voice, how passionate he is about the technology and, and where the company's, uh, heading. Um, and, and once again, I, I've used it, and um, maybe being an attorney, sometimes you can um, you know, have so much going on, feel a bit anxious. And for me personally, the um, the guided meditations, or there's one called uh, Stream Stream Haven, where basically mm-hmm. it's a it's a stream, stream of, yeah. it's a stream, yeah. and uh, and then there's hemisync technology, and I, I can't tell you how relaxing and comforting it is to listen to a stream for, oh. for, for, tw- for 20 minutes. And then also too, with that, that added bonus of the hemisync technology and binaural beats helping, you know, calm, relax, um, feel less, less anxious. So, um, no, uh, I'm a true believer in it. Okay. Well, um, Hey, thank you so much, Justin. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Samson. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. <laughs> Before we listen to our next interview with Doug Richards, I want to play a brief clip from HemiSync's chairman, Garrett Stevens, as he explains how and why the technology produces different tones to each ear as you listen to their music. For this, I encourage listeners to put on headphones or earphones. Most of our research, however, has evolved around the classic use of HemiSync delivered by stereo headphones. In this application, The HemiSync audio guidance process works quite simply by sending different tones to each ear by stereo headphones. The two hemispheres of the brain then act in unison to hear a third signal, the difference between the two tones. This is not an actual sound, but an electrical signal that can only be perceived within the brain by both brain hemispheres working together. Allow me to demonstrate. First, you will hear a tone in your right ear. Now we will play a tone of a slightly different frequency in your left ear. The slight differences in the tones cause your brain to create a third sound, a wavering sound, that is not on the recording. This tone is the difference between the tones you are hearing in your right and left ears. These wavering sounds encourage your brain to move from functioning in a state of random brainwave activity, which looks like this, to a balanced, focused, and highly synchronized brainwave pattern, which looks like this. Using an analogy, 
we can say that your brain normally acts like a light bulb, which produces random, incoherent light. With Hemisync, your brain acts more like a laser beam, which produces focused, coherent light. I find this fascinating. In my references, I included a link to two separate photographs of what the brain wave patterns look like with and without the Hemisync technology. If you would like to explore more of the Hemisync clip, I also included a YouTube link to the video in my references. I'm open to purchasing a Hemisync MP3 because I personally experience stress and I've always had a hard time with concentration. And now, here's my podcast interview with Doug Richards. So, yeah, so how are you doing? I'm we, doing we well, thank talk. you, my friend. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for um, accepting this interview. Um, my pleasure. So let's get right at it. So okay. what do you view as the relationship between mood music and the environment of the workplace and the marketplace? That's a very, very curious um, phenomenon. I, being a musician, anytime I'm hearing music of any sort, my ears are drawn to it. So it's not providing something of an ambience. Uh, uh, case in point, last night, uh, uh, some friends came over to the house, and uh, I put on Bill Evans. Now, I did that instead of putting on uh, bar talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was to supply a certain kind of sound bed or ambience, and uh, part of me felt very guilty about that, because here's this music that sh- should be savored every note, and uh, of course, uh, it was in the background. It's just in so, the background, so yeah. would, it wouldn't be awkward when y'all were having your conversation, right? For yeah. sure. But of course, my ears were basically glued to Bill and the the rest of the. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if we're if the people I'm having a conversation with actually is responding to that or, you know, and sometimes I just get lost into that conversation and into the, oh yeah, <laughs> into what's uh, playing. It, it, it's interesting yeah. though, of course, when you go to uh, a concert of say Mozart and uh, so much of the audience is basically sitting there taking a sound bath and it's a mood <laughs> that they hear. Mm-hmm. They hear this overall aura of sound and, uh, uh, I'm somewhat aghast. I, I, I wish they could follow the lines and take greater joy in plumbing the depths of this marvelous music. And it's the same thing whether it's Bill Evans or Miles Davis or, 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 or whatnot. I know I've gone into grocery stores, which used to always have music going on. Mm-hmm. And... There have been times that I've gone into places, very rare, but there have been a few times that amongst their Muzak selection has been a really great jazz recording. I remember hearing Duke Ellington one time, yeah. and of course, just a murmur of it, and I'm rather PO'd because it's not louder. And I <laughs> <laughs> Was this a grocery store? Or it was like, a grocery okay. store, yes. Yes. Did it help influence with your uh, um, <laughs> what you'd like to purchase? <laughs> what brand of cornflakes yeah. I yeah. wanted? Uh, no, uh, it 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 always has bothered me. I I remember when I was young, Muzak was really prominent, uh, or the music that was used as Muzak was very very prominent in white middle class American household. Uh, my mother would clean the house with the radio on to a station that played Montavani, which was a he was a very well known 
quote, orchestra leader, and it really was a large string ensemble, which played popular tunes, horribly arranged. But (laughs) nevertheless, uh, this is the type of uh, stuff that went on. And we, my, my parents, bought an organ for the family because my father thought it would be a great way for me to go through life playing organ at the local Holiday Inn as mood music. Oh. <laughs> and again, Muzak-like, it's uh, basically a continuation of the piano player at the old Western Bar. Uh, but uh, anyhow, Muzak. What year did you start writing songs for Muzak, and how did you hear about the gig? Oh, it, I can't remember how... Uh, I heard about the gig. People got in touch with me. I was living in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a short-lived uh, experience. They gave me, uh, I can't remember, it was about a half a dozen uh, then pop songs, sort of, it didn't have, nothing had a hard edge to it. It's ballad kind of material. That's what they want, something on the slower side. Uh, uh, and uh, this, uh, I, amongst the tunes, I remember there being one by Billy Joel and one by Crystal Gale, who were both very, very popular at the time. And I remember, since I'd never done the gig, but I've heard all kinds of stuff used as music, I went to a local Atlanta radio station and and uh, did a reel-to-reel tape uh, for about two hours of music-type music and wrote down all the characteristics I heard so I could basically check off everything as I was doing my assignment for uh, this production. So was uh, the radio station um, targeted more towards, um, well, um, middle-class white America? Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, was, it was definitely that. And, uh, again, you, you would hear this stuff everywhere, whether it was in supermarkets, whether it was in uh, elevators, whether it was in uh, bars, uh, dentist's office. Uh, it, it was a commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and were you contracted to write the songs, or was this kind of like a part-time, uh, full-time type of vibe? Or oh, it, it, I was, I'm sure, paid by the by the uh, number, by the piece. Gotcha. And uh-huh. uh, uh, I remember uh, writing it, and of course, conducting it at the recording session, string ensemble, primarily. Well, that that leads me into this next question. Since you described the songs that you composed and arranged, what was was there a strict instrumental template for the arrangements, or were you allowed to choose a preference? Well, basically, I was allowed to choose a preference, but when you dealt with this type of medium, uh, there is a uh, something of a given of instrumentation that's very, very largely string-oriented. Gotcha. String ensemble-oriented. With, with a ry- rhythm section? With a rhythm section, but down. playing very, very tepidly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no hip comping or filling by the drummer. Uh, it, it it was just a sound bed. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so um, mindless stuff. Mindless. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, was there a particular listener um, target that you had to write for, such as you know the the mood music for the workplace or the or, or the the marketplace where no the. Uh, no one told me whether this stuff was going to be played in elevators or dentist's office gotcha. or supermarkets. It was all sort of a generic product. Uh, but one thing it didn't, you never wanted to have was anything of strong interest. Nothing, gotcha. nothing dramatic. Drama didn't exist. Mm. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you if you felt that you did provide some foreground to the music versus background. Uh, you know, oh, capture the, atten- the, the the attention of the potential, like, shopping customers. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, 
all of us would have made huge fortunes if there was some kind of a, a little zinger that we could put in there where the customer would buy the highest priced uh, item at uh, at the particular uh, uh, sonic moment. But anyhow, and um, was there a set time frame on how short or long each? Song Every, should be I, again uh, because it was totally mindless. It would be they were basically in short chunks uh, and tunes that most people would know. Uh, I remember my mother singing along with the music uh, when she was cleaning the house yeah. or whistling or it, Moon River, for example, yeah. Henry Mancini. That would be a typical Muzak tune, though you could do something lovely with Moon River. But, uh, in fact, I just remembered a, a Quincy Jones arrangement on Moon River where he, he turned it into a 4-4 four, four thing instead of the 3-4 animal mm-hmm. that it is. Uh, but uh, it, it, everything had to be passive. Very, very passive. Wow. So... Um so my class is reading and studying the textbook. It's called uh, this textbook called um, Psychology Foundations of Musical Behavior, and it's by Rudolf Radice and J. David Boyle. Um, there's an ex- excerpt that I'd like to share. Um, by 1948, a characteristic format of 15-minute segments was in place. Unlike other providers of background music, Muzak uses the stimulus progression concept extensively. Over a 15-minute period, um, successive short musical excerpts increase uh, increase in a stimulus value, which is based on the excerpt's tempo, accent patterns, instrumentation, and texture. So mm-hmm. with all that in mind, was Muzak very meticulous and demanding on in- implementing these factors uh, when you wrote a piece like the tempo and because he said that it was very passive there were very no passive. actions there was nothing that was heavily accented and nothing that would have an up tempo so to speak uh, uh bossa nova would be a, a type of uh music i mean but you listen to the subtleties of the great creators in that genre jobim and gilberto um and, and gets uh uh, as an interpreter, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that—that's not would what would be uh, central to it. The central part would be the passivity, um, and, and and not having uh, anything that uh, it's going to really uh, 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 oh, what's the best word here. No, nothing to give a strong jolt musically. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, everything's sitting on just basically a straight line as, as far as the brainwave goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it was like um, simple, simple instructions when they... Uh, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But very, very simple instructions. Uh, uh, as I said, it was mostly string-based, uh, so there would be at most uh, a chorus and a half to two choruses uh, per arrangement. And the, the second chorus might have a little bit of... Uh, uh, oh... Addition, uh, there might be a, a modulation in there. Uh, there might be the melody taken up the octave, uh, but nothing glaring, not, not, nothing that would really hold a strong musical interest. Uh, it, it was one of the worst things I ever had to deal with, that and uh, writing marching band arrangements. But uh, So juggling between that and... <laughs> From music to marching band arrangements, oh, right. and wow! So, like, how was the vibe of the musicians in the studio? Was it very similar? Was it kind of like the, the these were the top notch players who had to have this gig that <laughs> they got extra loot? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was all about the money. Everybody was whoring themselves. I mean, <laughs> we were all, yeah. you know, hookers in there. So. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you know, people, yeah. you know, focus their lives on uh, musicality and uh, probing the depths of the musical consciousness of a, of a great composer. And, and uh, here you end up playing this incredibly trite stuff. It, uh, but you, you do it as a craftsman and uh, you try to do a good job at it and uh, you don't cop an attitude uh, mm -hmm. but you know it's you get paid by the piece that's all it is mm -hmm. and uh, there's no award for to my knowledge uh, for great music um, that that would be very very interesting to see how that would be uh, uh, devised the music awards but anyhow uh it probably stems all the way back to because like right it stems back to well at least for what's current now um straight to like an ASCAP or BMI or CSAC type of set setting because uh music today well once it got bankrupt um it got purchased by this um company called Mood um uh, Mood Media mm. and um it seems like uh, their collection has current popular vocalists that have replaced the instrumentation um, today. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting my money that although there isn't an award in the music community, there is a, a, there are awards given to like uh, publishing companies as well. Uh, so since that seems to be the thing, yeah, yeah, I, and I don't know how one would. Uh, make music out of the stuff, the little stuff that I yeah. hear that's going on today. But uh, again, I haven't listened to music really since I had those uh, uh, times in Atlanta, which was over 40 years ago. So I, I'm not aware of what's out there right now. And uh, do you feel that, well... <laughs> The one who is managing or administrating all these, um, all the works for you, like, hey, um, can you do this, this, and that? Mm. Um, I'd like to have these pieces done. Did you see any joy or passion in what they're um, trying to sell? Um, oh, no. No? Oh, no. The, it, it was just, this will work. Uh, this will work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This that was it. It works. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, the populace, the general populace who this was geared for, all knew these um, uh, Crystal Gale, Billy Jewel kind of ditties. And uh, it's not that the originals were all that bad, but you had to turn it into something even more tepid. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um um, what are your views about on how, well, we kind of talked this earlier before we hit the record button, but um, on how uh, mood music is also available to help consumers with their consciousness. This includes reducing stress, managing health issues, and assisting those who have ADD or ADHD. I mean, because um, um, it, it seems like that's another medium that's being sure. used right now, not only to um, influence you to work harder, have better morale, or, or influencing you to, to purchase, purchase an item, but it's actually helping with your overall self. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, there are uh, certain medit meditation practices that are accompanied by uh, various musical sounds, and uh, they can be quite calming. Um, whether it's a, just a constant drone or uh, a drone with various kind of uh, interesting, mostly Eastern-influenced uh, music uh, that's uh, subtly played on top. Uh, for the most part, music has many, many functions. Uh, I'm drawn to a particular type of music making uh, and the types of music that get performed that are just for functions such as uh, 
that of uh, a piano player playing at a bar or nightclub, um, uh, a wedding band to a certain extent. They're there for a couple of fundamental functions for people to dance and party or just to be background, to not be intrusive. Um, and I understand that type of uh, uh, making music for ambience's sake. I'm not interested in being involved in the music making process of it, but uh, I understand, you know, hey, it's a gig. Um, uh, how, I, I'm sure there have been many uh, tests that have been done to measure uh, individuals' uh, uh, brain waves and uh, when they're being exposed to this kind of stuff and see what that uh, basically does. I know when I go to my dentist's office, yeah. they always have this radio station on, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it just drives me crazy because it's, it's all such horrible music. It sounds like 70s pop for the most part. While they're just drilling While your teeth drilling and you're my teeth. trying to calm down it's, your nerves. Exactly. <laughs> but this, uh, this bombastic um, thing called it, music that's playing in the background is yeah, just driving you nuts. <laughs> exactly. It's like Donnie and, Donnie and Marie type of thing, the Osmond family. Yeah. So, but... Uh, yeah, that it's it's a commodity. I understand it. I don't care for it. I would just rather there be silence, or yeah. else if music was there, we'd be we'd be quiet and listen to it. Uh, but so is my uh, so goes my magical world. So, how long was your uh, time with your music gig? Um, oh, when it was you were in it was it was right before I came to Richmond. So it was very short lived. Very short-lived. But, again, I th you know, I know I did a good job. They were very palatable creations mm -hmm. and hit the nail on the head. Um, but, I you know, I burned the arrangements, you know, my original copies, so... <laughs> well, did you... Um was it score, and did you have to write out the parts oh, yourself, or yeah. did you have a copyist? Oh, or no, 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 no. Had to, no. This oh, was wow. all—it was budget, man. Wow. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I had to write out and uh, and then photocopy parts, you know, multiple parts for the string players. But you know, so it went, and then uh, even for the string ensemble, they stacked things. I yeah, think, I think they basically did uh, three or four run-throughs. Uh, yeah. Just to make it sound fatter, but uh, so yeah. like a, I'm just guess, guessing maybe like a violin, viola, and cello, or no, uh, no. two or a couple more. There, there would be about uh, four violins, mm. you know, uh, a viola, cello, and uh, you know, if you stack that three times, yeah. you know, it's, it sounds rather full and fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you feel good about it? Uh, that, that, those were my um, questions. Yeah, well. um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's quite a uh, interesting way to go about making music. Uh, is to say, don't do anything that has any kind of profundity to it, <laughs> and. Uh, but that's the way that world is. Um, yeah, it's to put one into a comatose state. So the 50s really saw a, a major uh, development uh, that was totally aligned with the advent of uh, new technologies. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, Post-World War II, America was a very, very different time. Um, and that really started late 40s. Um, and uh, that's the time I was a little kid and witnessed this. So yeah. uh, that was a, a first-hand observation. Um, what happened before then, of course, I don't know. I, uh, 
there was radio, but to my knowledge, there really wasn't a Muzak per se mm-hmm. that was going on. You wouldn't hear music in the grocery store or on the elevator. Um, but by the time the mid-50s were there, you know, it was, it was commonplace. It's that progression of everyone buying a house. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's a time when America was great. That's what we're trying to do right now yeah. is to make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> in the Muzak, we, man. Yeah, in the Muzak. <laughs> well, uh, thanks a lot, Doug. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, yeah, Samson. Cool. As you heard from the interviews, Justin Lauder and Doug Richards had very different takes, experiences, and opinions on mood music. Justin was very passionate on the subject and showed his support for mood music. He certainly believed in the benefits of hemisync. Doug wasn't thrilled about the passive material that he wrote from Muzak and gave his professional behind-the-scenes experience with the company. It was very much a working musician's point of view of mood music. I certainly enjoyed how the contrast between the interviews helped increase my interest and gave me new insight on the subject. I hope you enjoyed the interviews as well. My thanks to Justin Lauder and Doug Richards for their time and knowledge. I'm Samson Trin. Thanks for listening to the Music Ed Podcast.